In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. We read a short phrase from St. Paul's letter to the Philippians. Very short. It just says, almost as a kind of a command, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. Those are the words that we habitually say in Gaudete Sunday, on the third week of Advent. And we're still in Advent now. And we want to understand what those words of St. Paul really mean and to what extent we have really kind of obeyed to that command to rejoice. Because uh, joy is at the very heart of the Christian experience. You know, Pope Benedict said that uh, one of the great attractions of World Youth Day was the joy that people saw. Okay, the Pope said some nice things, uh, nice mass, and nice homily and all that, but really what drew them is seeing all these young people, the smiles of the young people, the smiles of the Pope. And uh, he said, in a world of sorrow and anxiety, joy is an important witness to the beauty and reliability of the Christian faith. I mean, in school we learn a lot of things, in university we learn things, uh, but what are we going to really learn today? And like you said, it's, it's very reliable to see somebody deeply joyful. And, um, and so the Pope, Pope Benedict, speaks about this in the infancy narratives. He says that one of the elements uh, of this spiritual world that shines forth most clearly, referring to the infancy narratives, is joy. And uh, he said, Christian piety did not err in calling the events of Jesus' childhood as the joyful mysteries. They're joyful, but they're also mysteries. There's a lot of richness for us, layers for us to uncover. He said that the joyful mysteries are kind of a school for us. And uh, this is what uh, Pope Paul VI also said when he during the council he went to the Holy Land and arrived there in Nazareth and said that this was a, a school in which we learn. And uh, it's a school that we always have to be open to, that we always have to allow our soul to expand into. That is a school that we learn, that we actually expand the depth of our joy in our life. They're the joyful mysteries. I mean, do you and I perk up when we meditate on the Annunciation? Or, as we see in today's reading, the dance of St. John the Baptist in the womb of his mother? And when his mother, St. Elizabeth, is filled with the Holy Spirit because she has come in contact with the child who is still in the mother's, his mother's womb, 
And then the, the wonders of the child born, the joy of the shepherds, these poor people that were considered literally the lowest rank of society are filled with so much joy. Or the old Simeon, who was half blind and finally, finally, after so many years, he's now able to gaze upon this little child whom he understood now to be the promised Messiah. He must have looked at him with faith, the fulfillment of what had been promised, but you know the deep joy that he must have felt, this kind of a, a relief and the joy that he experienced. Or even the mysterious mystery, the, the child lost and found in the temple when he was 12 years old. I mean, you'd think that could also be a sorrowful mystery. You know, I mean, he's lost for three days. Naturally, the agony of Mary and Joseph for those three days would have definitely qualified for a sorrowful mystery. Yet, the joy of finding him seems to kind of annihilate all the sadness, the disarray that would have been there before. A kind of a breathing a sigh of relief. How do we understand this? Well, naturally, uh, some people are very optimistic and cheerful by nature. They're kind of bubbly. They're By temperament, they're just like that. They walk into a room, they can literally light up the room. It's as though they had a gift, a kind of a clarity and a luminosity. And, of course, that's from the human and external point of view. And a lot of those bubbly people cheerful people by temperament they're kind of like hardwired like that they they don't have blood in their veins they have like maple syrup in their veins you know or something like that you know that makes them bubbly and blah, 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 you know I mean if we had maple syrup I think we'd be running around like the little kids today in Hawthorne they were just running around everywhere you know and uh, singing the Christmas carols and but if you are by temperament joyful and then you experience somebody who's very grim and dour and doesn't say anything imagine if you were to come to breakfast and you come in you say good morning it's a beautiful day and people were to say get out of here or something like that i don't know if they would say that but uh, imagine if you were to live with nobody speaking really at breakfast it would uh, probably you know wither away your sense of purpose and um, and that's why the joy we have to have is really it's got to be solid it is related to temperament to good health to good digestion things going well but sometimes things don't always go well and uh, the external temperamental aspect of course is good it's what our father called the the cheerfulness of the healthy animal who's been well fed. And is that good? Yeah, well, it's good. But it, it does not last in the sense that it is still relatively fragile. The kind of cheerfulness that Pope, the Pope mentions and, uh, and uh, St. Paul mentions is something interior, something deeper. It's not simply exterior expressed merely in bubbliness. Hmm? 
It has to be there, but there's something deeper. The exterior happiness comes from things going well, we're in shape, we're in good health. The papal preacher said, that joy that we need is interior. It doesn't come from without, but from within. Like certain alpine lakes, which are fed not from a river that flows from outside, but from a spring of water welling up from their very foundations. It comes from God's mysterious and present action in the human heart through grace. It can cause us to abound with joy in our suffering. And that's why we have to see, you know, like, am I happy today because things went well, because we have nice decorations, we have good food, you had a nice lunch and a nice cup of coffee and uh, people were nice to you. I mean, those are, uh, obviously, well, nobody's going to deny that those are good, but but can they really be the foundation? They are not necessarily that, that spring of water that wells up from their foundation, from the foundation of these deep lakes. And uh, we give thanks to God when things do go well. But we also ask the Lord to, to help us to mature in our spiritual life. The maturing of the soul, which, for it to be truly deep, has to be a gift of the Holy Spirit. Because cheerfulness and joy, deep joy, really is the effect of a fullness of life. If we were joyful because we had a nice cake or a nice lunch, or because we were healthy, well, that would be good, but it would, it would not be the fullness, because we are not mere animals, we are not merely made for good health. Somebody who has truly a full life does not need to crave after elements that will give her a semblance of cheerfulness. She can have a hard time. She can be under a lot of pressure. She can be suffering. But she understands that she has a fuller life, which, which finds its love its spring, right? Its water welling up from deep down in its foundations. It's this infinite wisdom that God in his, in his love has made us his children. He's made us sharers in his divine nature. Which is precisely that fullness. I mean, if we are sharers in the divine nature, that's a participation in his life. And the more we have well anchored in our thoughts, in our minds, in our soul, appreciation of that shared life, that is, of our divine filiation, the greater our joy will be. Sometimes it will be expressed in smiles and jokes, uh, but other times it will just be in a deep serenity. And uh, we may sometimes be influenced by or infected by certain pessimistic tendencies around us. You just read the headlines and they're often very, very dour and sad. And they may feed our proclivities sometimes to be a little bit negative. Hmm? 
this famous uh, author, Jesus Canals, who I think he wrote Jesus as friends as friend. He quoted our father from a letter from 1933, in which our father speaks about pessimists, and he evokes uh, Cervantes, his Don Quixote. This is from our father. Like the knight of La Mancha, they, referring to the pessimists, they see giants where there are nothing but windmills. They become ill-humored, sour people, full of bitter jealousy, rough-mannered, finding no good in anyone, looking on the black side of everything, those who are afraid of the rightful freedom of man, those who do not know how to smile. We ask uh, our Lord to help us know how to smile. Let that never be a description of us, ill-humored, sour people, full of bitter jealousy, rough-mannered, finding no good in anyone, he says. We have to find the good things in others. We have to find excuses for others, for their mistakes, for their limitations, for maybe their bureaucratic narrow-mindedness. And uh, we have to find good in the people around us. Sometimes the people we, we meet uh, may have no formation. Maybe they have more lives that really, really need to change. But maybe they've been influenced. Could be bad family, could be the environment, could be their school. But we have to think, wait, 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 there's something good in this, in this young girl. There's something good. I can find it. There's some good material. We can make a fire with this. We can make a fire. If you're gone camping and you just take a few rocks together, you're not going to make a fire with that. But if you scrape around, you'll find some wood. That's how we have to see them. It's the end of the, of the, of the plan of life, but it's in some ways it inspires everything else that came before. And um, it makes us, when we are deeply cheerful, deeply grounded in a supernatural sense of our life and our purpose and our vocation, it uh, makes us stronger now, makes us more resilient. But we have to do that with a sense of discernment. Sense of discernment, where I can find that joy... And of course, that we can't do it entirely alone. And uh, perhaps uh, one way we can encounter it more deeply is when we do the norms of piety. Because after all, a norm of piety is something that we do in front of God the Father. We are pious, meaning we are like children. And if we are like children, maybe in that act of piety, we can experience true joy, true happiness. And that's why one of the most indispensable aids to enriching ourselves with that happiness is the Word of God, the reading of sacred scripture, as well as reflecting on the doctrine of the church. Because when we read the Word of God, we have to imagine this is going to stir our hearts. We're going to learn to recognize God's voice 
and to distinguish that voice in Scripture from the other voices that seem to vie for our attention. But those other voices can sometimes leave us confused in the end. Pope Francis has been speaking a lot about discernment in the, in the latest uh, audiences, on the Wednesday audiences, and he spoke today, today, December 21st. He spoke about how we can discern through the reading of the Bible. He says that the Bible warns us that God's voice resounds in stillness, in attention, in silence. Let us recall the experience of the prophet Elijah. The word, the Lord does not speak to him in the wind that smashes the rocks, nor in the fire or the earthquake, but he speaks to him in a light breeze. This is very be a beautiful image that helps us to understand how God speaks. God's voice does not impose itself. God's voice is discreet, respectful. God's voice is humble, and for that reason, produces peace. When we say peace, it's almost as though it were analogous to joy. He says it is only in peace that we can enter profoundly into ourselves and recognize the authentic desire, desires that the Lord has placed in our hearts. For many times it is not easy to enter into that peace of heart because we are so busy with this and that and the other thing the entire day. We are so busy. But, he says, this is, the, this is the Pope speaking, he says, but please calm yourself down a little bit. Enter into yourself, within yourself, and stop for two minutes. Witness what your heart is feeling. Let's do this, brothers and sisters. It will help us so much because at that moment of calm, the Lord's voice immediately tells us, well, look here, look at that. What you're doing is good. When we allow ourselves to be calm, God's voice comes immediately. He is waiting for us to do this. So just through that reading. We have a spiritual reading to do every day. We have a bit of gospel today. But especially the gospel, it's really the living presence of God. It is a work of the Holy Spirit that comforts, that instructs us, that gives us light, strength, refreshment, a zest for life. These are all things that the Holy Scriptures can do. Naturally, we hear it in in the liturgy, we hear it when we have Mass. But we have to open that book of the Gospel and experience this, this refreshment. He says, um, to read the Bible, to read a piece, one or two of the passages of the Bible, is like a short telegram from God that immediately goes to the heart. The Word of God is a bit, and I'm not exaggerating here, it is a little real foretaste of heaven. A great saint and pastor, Ambrose, the bishop of Milan, understood this well when he wrote, when I read the scriptures, God returns and walks in the earthly paradise. 
With the Bible, we open the door to God who is taking a walk. Who's taking a walk? You know, like when, when, um, when God was walking, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the book of Genesis, talks about he was just walking the cool of the morning, you know, just chilling. And there he met uh, Adam and Eve. So, by the way we do that norm of scripture, the Lord will nudge us into greater horizons to have that, that deeper experience of God's love. We shouldn't be afraid of this. We mustn't think that we somehow can't understand. And um, that's what the Pope says. We, we often have a distorted idea about God, thinking of him as a sullen judge, a harsh judge, ready to catch us in the act. On the contrary, Jesus reveals a God who is full of compassion and tenderness for us, ready to sacrifice himself so he can come to us, just like the father in the parable of the prodigal son. So we need to experience this joy. And uh, the Pope recounts how one time there was a pilgrimage of young people which is done once a year to the shrine of Our Lady of Luhan, which is about 70 kilometers uh, from, uh, from Buenos Aires. And he says it takes the whole day to travel there. He said, I used to hear confessions during the night. One day a young man, who was about 22 years old, came completely covered with tattoos. My God, I thought, who is this person? And he said to me, you know, I came because I have a serious problem. And I told my mother, and my mother told me, go to Our Lady. Make a pilgrimage, and Our Lady will tell you. And I came. And I was in touch with the Bible here. I listened to the Word of God, and it touched my heart. I need to do this, and I need to do this, and this, and this, and this. The Word of God touches the heart, the Pope said, and changes your life. And I have witnessed this many times, because the Lord does not want to destroy us. God wants us to be stronger, to be better every day. And uh, this is what we have to ask. Hmm? That we actually be stronger, better every day. And much of that is discovering to what extent true, it is really true that it, our joy is not based on human things. Hmm? Pope Francis has emphasized many times the importance of joy. A lot of his encyclicals refer to joy right even in the title like the first encyclical uh, Evangelii Gaudium he said as you I'm sure you've heard this passage sometimes we're tempted to find excuses and to complain acting as if we could only be happy if a thousand conditions were met see those are all the human conditions that would make us happy. And we only be happy if we have all these conditions met. 
He said, to some extent, this is because our technological society has succeeded in multiplying the occasions of pleasure, yet has found it very difficult to engender joy. I can say that the most beautiful and natural expression of joy, which I have seen in my life, were in poor people who had little to hold on to. I also think of the real joy shown by others, even amid pressing professional obligations, were able to preserve in detachment and simplicity a heart full of faith. In their own way, all of these instances of joy flow from the infinite love of God, who has revealed himself to us in Jesus Christ. It's a famous passage that I actually have to say I've, I've, quote, I've wanted to quote very often. And it in turn quotes from the famous Aparathida document, which he produced when he was still Cardinal Bergoglio. And he says uh, that well, he was asked recently in a, by a journalist what his most important document are for his pontificate. And he definitely said, well, definitely Evangelii Gaudium, he said, because it came straight from the heart. Straight from the heart. He mentioned also this Aparecida document, which he did before he was Pope. And, um, you know, because there he said, we really just copied Evangelii Nunciandi, the famous document uh, from Pope Paul VI. And uh, so, well, let, let us allow during this Christmas time that true real joy to be more deeply anchored in our life. And, um, you know, Pope Paul VI spoke about it. He also wrote a document called Gaudete in Domino. And he talks also about the fact that true joy can't come from pleasure or from human, human things. For joy comes from another source. It is spiritual. Money, comfort, hygiene, and material security are often not lacking. And yet, boredom, depression, and sadness unhappily remain the lot of many. So let's ask for this, uh, yeah, let's ask for this deeper joy that we can indeed discover when we do the norms, in particular when we read the Word of God. And today we saw our Blessed Mother running with haste, with haste to to visit her cousin St. Elizabeth. And that certainly was one of the joyful mysteries. Let's ask her to intercede for us so that her true joy be our experience, deeply grounded in our sense of divine filiation. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me.